We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Thursday, February the 3rd, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And on today's show, I recap a wild day in Gamecocks football news on Wednesday as staff changes hit South Carolina football, along with National Signing Day updates and coaches Shane Beamer and Sterling Lucas speaking to the media. Guys, I'll give you guys my full thoughts and takeaways on just what went down yesterday and what it means for South Carolina football moving forward. Also, guys, we're continuing along with the position unit preview series as we continue to count down the days the Gamecocks baseball guys today we're breaking down the Yardcocks third baseman entering the 2022 season guys I'll talk key losses key returners most approved best overall season will be successful if and I'll give my overall grade as well also guys we got a fantastic conversation great throwback interview with former South Carolina first baseman Matt Williams as he details his illustrious career in Garnet and Black guys I got a packed show for you here on this Thursday, and of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, for all your moving needs in the 2022 calendar year, be sure to contact our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. as if the world around you is going a thousand miles an hour and you feel like you can't catch your breath. It's important to remind ourselves to stop, stay in the middle, remain at peace, not let our emotions get the best of us and take a deep breath and remind ourselves it's all going to be 
okay. And folks, I don't just say that for you all. I say that for yours truly, because as I sit here on this Wednesday afternoon, coming to you all on this Thursday, my oh my, what a news day it has been. And I'm trying to calm myself down, slow down the heart rate just a bit, because it's very easy to get carried away on a day like we had yesterday with all of the news dropping, all of the madness, all of the craziness on social media. Let me try today to be your voice of perspective and maybe, just maybe, your voice of reasoning if you need one. Folks, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always, and I hope this show does find you well no matter where you are, what you're doing. Hope you're having a fantastic day, and I hope your week is going well Also, again, guys, we have got a lot to get into here on this Thursday, a jam-packed show here on this Thursday, February the 3rd. Before we do, guys, a couple quick housekeeping items, a couple quick reminders really quickly. Don't forget, this Saturday, Sal going to take it on the Tennessee Volunteers at Colonial Life Arena. We will be throwing a watch party at the Carolina Alehouse location in Somerville, South Carolina. Guys, all my low country Gamecocks would love to see you come on out. We do have drink specials, food specials. Also, tip-off is at 1 o'clock. Yours truly going to plan on being there about 11.30 or so. Doors open at 11. So, again, all the low country Gamecocks in the Somerville area, would love to see you at that Carolina Alehouse location. Again, all the details have been shared on social media. And again, guys, come on out. Going to be a really, really good time. Also, guys, want to make you aware, in case you missed it, TSUS.store, brand new merch has dropped. The Burgie Barrels merch, the Colin Burgess merch, has officially hit our store. And folks, it is Fire. So again, if you want to support Gamecocks, catcher Colin Burgess, aka TSUS athlete Colin Burgess, you can do so through the Burgie Barrels merch. Also, guys, don't forget when you go to TSUS.store and use the promo code Burgie, B U R G Y, that's B U R G Y, you get 10% off your entire order. And guys, please don't forget, by the way, with these TSUS athletes, when you're buying their merch, It is supporting the athlete directly. Whenever you buy their merchandise, you are putting money in their pocket. Again, the beauties of the NIL, folks. So again, do not forget TSUS.store. Go check out all the new merchandise there and use the promo code Burgie for 10% off. All right, guys, like I mentioned, it was not a slow Newsday yesterday, I thought to myself, you know what? This Thursday show, we're going to be talking yard cocks and just some light things with National Signing Day. Um, well, the world had other plans, uh, specifically Eric Kimry and Connor Shaw, as those two gentlemen yesterday, it was announced, are departing from the University of South Carolina football program. And once that news dropped, my goodness, Gamecock social media did not disappoint. You know, South Carolina fans are, I would argue, the most passionate fans in all of college athletics, and that's what makes being a Gamecock so great, right, is the passion and the love for the school and the pride and the energy and all that good stuff that Gamecock fans symbolize, if you will. But social media had a field day in regards to the reaction. The sky is falling. The football program, what's going on? Marcus Satterfield, who else is leaving? This, that. Oh, my God, we're doomed, doom and gloom. All that attitude came out. Now, Let me speak on both of the departures individually. 
Okay. What I've heard thus far of why they're leaving. And then I'm going to give you guys my full synopsis of just what it means and why you should not be hitting the panic button. First off, first with Connor Shaw. Okay. And Shane Beamer spoke to both of these, by the way, Shane Beamer, of course, speaking to the media, had a press conference at two o'clock. Speaking on these gentlemen leaving, said it was conversation they had had for a couple of weeks or so, and both had opportunities that they could not turn down. Now, the rumors for Connor Shaw being maybe outside of the game of football, and for Eric Kimry, the rumors being possibly going back to being a high school head coach, going back to the high school ranks. Now, I've had Connor Shaw on the show before. In case you missed it, we've had him on the airwaves. And I've had conversations with Connor Shaw. And Connor Shaw, guys, listen, this one's personal for me. It does sting and it does hurt. And I know it's hurting you guys as well to see these two guys leave. But it hurts to see Connor Shaw go because Connor Shaw is my all-time favorite Gamecock guy. At least Gamecock's football player, he is my GOAT. I mean, I really look at Connor Shaw as the GOAT of Gamecocks football. So you hate to see him leave the building. You hate to see him leave the program. But conversations that I've had with Connor Shaw prior, what I picked up from them was this. Football does not define Connor Shaw. Let me say that again. Football does not define Connor Shaw. And Connor Shaw was in a role with South Carolina where he was the director of player development. I truly feel it's one of those things, guys, where as much as I'm sure his job fulfilled him, as much as I'm sure he loved doing what he was doing, I don't think the end goal in life for Connor Shaw was to be the director of player development at the University of South Carolina. And again, that's not an indictment on Shane Beamer. That's not an indictment on the program. That's not an indictment on anybody in the building. But I think personally, again, speaking with Connor Shaw, you know, he had talked about before, he's a family guy, got a wife got kids, doesn't want to live the coach lifestyle, for example, doesn't want to be cooped up in the building 24-7. Some guys want that life. And again, it's, it's no knock on those who do, but some don't. Flat out, just some don't. Some want to venture and explore things outside of football. Look at Marcus Lattimore and what he's doing with his life if you've kept up. So when I look at Connor Shaw, I did not view his leaving. I wasn't honestly even shocked. I did not think in any way that Connor Shaw was going to be at the University of South Carolina forever. And I think he will forever continue to be an ambassador for USC and what Shane Beamer is doing. And by the way, Beamer made it very clear that one trillion percent is literally what he said. These two guys leaving had nothing to do with bad blood or bad relationships, said they're leaving on great terms, just had opportunities arise. Eric Kimry, as I mentioned previously, again, I know it's a little bit of a shocker because this guy talked about, hey, it's his dream job. And again, Eric Kimry, another friend of mine, right? Went on his podcast for, we text on a, I won't say a daily basis, but often enough. And Eric Kimry, someone that had mentioned to me previously before he got the job that, hey, going to South Carolina, man, that's a dream. Going back to my alma mater, if you will, that's a dream. So fans think to themselves and we all think, well, why would you want to leave? Where could you go? What could be better? And from the things that I've heard, hypothetically, a lot of rumors out there, and by the time you're hearing the sound of my voice, it might have already dropped. But from what I've heard, there was an opportunity that arose for Eric Kimry that he had on his mind even before the South kind of job came open and Shane Beamer offered him the job. What was it, a year or so ago? A job that an offer he couldn't turn down and something he had wanted for quite a while. And guys, believe it or not, 
right? Eric Kimry went from being a high school head coach and a damn good one at that to a tight ends coach at the college level. Granted, the SEC level. I totally understand that. But I think people need to stop and think about maybe this guy, just maybe, again, it's all speculation. Maybe this guy just enjoyed being a head coach more than being a tight ends coach. Granted, I know the level is completely different, but again, you really can't overemphasize. You know, it's like being the CEO versus being just another cog in the machine. You know, some people are built to be a cog in the machine. Some people want to be in that spot. They don't want all the pressure. Some people do, though. Some people want to be hands-on. Some people want to have all their hands on the controls. Maybe Kim Ree's a guy like that. And again, guys, from what I've heard, it was a situation that made sense. It was a situation that Eric Kimry had had his eye on for a long time. And so he took it. And again, I know for all of you listening, all the diehard fans can't fathom leaving your favorite school. But these are business decisions being made. And again, at some point in life, when an opportunity arises and an opportunity presents itself, you, you maybe you got to take the risk. You got to follow your gut and go with it. And I think that's what happened with both of these guys. Now, again, was the timing kind of crazy on National Signing Day? Yes. The fact that they came like back to back within two hours of each other? Yes. And again, it's not the fact that you lost a tight ends coach and you lost a director of player development. It's the fact you lost two great Gamecocks. I mean, these are our guys that are leaving the program. If it had been Satterfield and Atkins, nobody would have batted an eye. Most of you probably would have celebrated. But for these two dudes to leave, it's like, oh my God, what's going on? What's going wrong? What, you know, it's like being in a relationship and getting broke up with like, well, what did I do? You don't love me anymore? What did I do? Why, is it my fault? Did I do this? Did I do that? What did I do? It's not that. It's not that, guys. Again, this is business. This is business. And I look at Connor Shaw, like I said, I don't think his life, as much as he might love the University of South Carolina, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but as much as he might love the University of South Carolina, I don't think his life is defined by Gamecock football. I don't think his life is defined by football, period. I think there are so many other opportunities that, got, that a guy like Connor Shaw can chase. And if he wants to go chase them, our only reaction should be, Connor, thank you for what you did for us. You're welcome back anytime. You know we love you, and we wish you the best. Eric Kimry, same thing. If this guy wants to go be a head coach, if he'd prefer to be a head coach at a big-time high school instead of an assistant at South Carolina, then so be it. And I know a lot of you will bring up, well, money, money, money. Guys, it's not always about money. You know, it's not. And when you're making the kind of money those dudes are making, I don't think it even really matters anymore. But it's not always about money. So I think those that are hitting the panic button, of course, many people out there wanted to point. The first thing they pointed to was, oh, it's Satterfield's fault. You retained Satterfield. You know, that's the low-hanging fruit, right? All the folks that hated Satterfield throughout the season and threw shots at him throughout the year and who all had, by the way, had been quiet since the bowl game, all came out of their shells, all came out of their holes to throw some more mud on Marcus Satterfield's name. And again, I, I'm not being a Marcus Satterfield, you know, stan, an apologist, a defender, what have you, whatever adjective you want to use. But to just simply cite that and to be doom and gloom and, and you know, well, it's Satterfield's fault. It's Sat like, 
Y'all act like Satterfield is holding Shane Beamer at gunpoint to keep him employed. So I would ask you this. I'd turn the question on you. Does it make you raise an eyebrow to Shane Beamer that what if it is Satterfield's fault? And Shane was saying, you know what, to hell with it. I don't care who leaves. I'm keeping Satterfield employed. And those two guys just left. Does it make you question Shane Beamer? Do you all, do you all of a sudden not like Shane Beamer anymore? And again, I don't think that's the case. But like, that's almost kind of what you're insinuating when you say, oh, well, it's just all Satterfield's fault. Well, again, he's not holding Beamer at gunpoint. If, if Satterfield was that much of an issue, a cancer, where folks don't want to work for Shane Beamer anymore, come on. You think Beamer wouldn't cut ties? I refuse to believe that. And again, Shane Beamer spoke to the media. He spoke to the media and spoke on not necessarily exactly what Gamecock Twitter was saying, but somewhat close to it. Somewhat close to it. He said, quote, we got a lot of people that are choosing to stay here. And this wasn't like Connor and Eric leaving here because they're unhappy. Let me say that again. One trillion percent. They are not leaving here because they don't like working here. Translation. They ain't leaving because they get, didn't get along with an assistant coach. They ain't leaving because they didn't like Marcus Satterfield. They're leaving because they had opportunities to rise. So I would say to you all today, some of you that maybe, and I think most, from what I've seen at least on social media, are most are calming down after hearing Shane Boomer speak and hearing him address the changes on the coaching staff. Because, I mean, like I said, guys, yesterday morning was a complete nightmare on Gamecock social media. People just freaking out. I think most are, you know, saying, okay, Shane, we still got this. We've still got plenty of momentum. Nothing to worry about. We'll be good. We'll be good. And I think that's it. Again, I'm, I'm not going to make more of it. Um, I'm not going to make more of it than needs be. And Connor Shaw, guys, actually just put out a video on social media, I know this is like very abrupt in the podcast. It's a minute and 24 seconds. I'm going to watch the video. I don't know if you guys can hear this, but I'm going to watch the video, give you a synopsis, and then give you my full take. Let's see. Life beyond football. Going to be in Columbia, he says. That's my goat right there. I don't know if you guys could hear any of that. You've probably seen it on social media at this point, but uh, Connor Shaw, man, nothing but class. A legend, the goat. Uh, there's a reason he's referred to as the GOAT, the greatest quarterback in school history, and in my opinion, the greatest winner in Gamecocks football history. But again, 
guys, right there. It's right there. He, he's happy with what Shane Beamer's doing, what's going on, with it, going on within the football program, uh, going to continue to be a resource for Shane Beamer in the program. But there's just other things he wants to do, man. There's other things he wants to do, and he talks about life beyond football and all that. But, again, guys, I, I trust in Shane Beamer. I trust in Connor Shaw. I trust in Eric Kimry, man. Kimry, a great friend of mine. And, again, this is no indictment on the program, and nothing's going downhill. This doesn't get rid of any of the momentum we have. And I know Shane Beamer will make the appropriate hires, the necessary hires to um, get the best possible people in the building to help South kind of win and to win big, for sure. To win and to win big. Um, as far as on the National Signing Day side of things, no really huge news. Um, you did pick a signing, pick up a signing, excuse me, from DQ Smith from Spring Valley. Uh, three-star athlete, was a quarterback in high school, plans to play DB at the University of South Carolina. I held him roll this August. So, uh, good pickup there. Had a bunch of PWOs join the team, by the way. PWOs, and it was crazy. They're rolling in. Uh, kicker Jack Luckhurst, transfer from Arizona State. He is now enrolled. You also had running back DJ Twitty, the back from East Tennessee State. Defensive back Noah Abrams, which is a high school kid, and linebacker Colby Bryant, which was a high school kid as well. And again, if I'm missing any, I do apologize. There's been so many PWOs that have rolled in here of late. It's been crazy and almost hard to keep up. But uh, either way, guys, bottom line is this. I know it was a crazy day yesterday, much crazier than any of us expected. But you know what? We are in good hands with Shane Beamer. Nothing happens by accident. You know, I had people reaching out, Chris, the sky is falling. I even had someone, and I won't name him by name, but I'm sure he's listening to the podcast. I literally had someone text me and say, I'm hearing there is a mutiny. And I literally laughed out loud when I read that. Like, come on, man. Let's not overreact. Let, let's not push the panic button. Hey, whenever you hear news, just take it for what it is. Take it for what it's worth and let all the details come out. And again, I trust in Shane Beamer. I trust in what he's building. It's not about, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're just cozying up to Beamer. Like, I have no reason, guys. I have no reason to cozy up to Beamer. I'm not in the building. We're not credential media. We have accepted our role in regards to we are the we are the um what's the best way to phrase it we are the pirate ship right we are the the uh the we we do not fit in the box of media if you will and i'm truly okay with that because again i've had productive conversations with shane beamer others on staff again we know we are valuable to the university of south Carolina, the football program and all athletics and what's going on in columbia throughout the state of south carolina but again I don't have to cozy up to Shane Beamer. I can take any angle I want to, but I truly am confident in what Shane is building, and I trust all the decisions he's making. I don't think anything happens by accident, and things are being handled behind closed doors, and in my opinion, you should share that sentiment with me. We are in good hands. We are in good hands. That is not guaranteeing any sort, certain number of wins. That is not guaranteeing any championships, but, folks, we are in good hands moving forward. This football program is in good hands. And let's keep it moving. Let's do the damn thing. All we got is all we need. And again, thank you, Connor Shaw. Thank you, Eric Kimry. Obviously, welcome back in Columbia anytime. And again, I'm excited for the future of South Carolina football. Also, guys, Sterling Lucas did speak. No huge takeaways. Again, glad to have him in Columbia. Really excited. I'm, I'm just curious to see how he's going to handle the recruiting side of things coming from the NFL game to our game. But other than that, um, Happy to have him on. Welcome home. Uh, all right, guys, let's move this from Yard Cox Baseball before we close this thing out. Uh, before we do, though, I want to say about our friends over at Home Field, because, again, in case you missed it, the big drop on Saturday, University of South Carolina, part of the Home Field Collection. And, again, our new sponsor 
Home Field. They offer premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Guys, Home Field is kicking off big new Saturday season three where they launch a new school on their site every Saturday for eight weeks straight. And South Carolina is week Three, guys, Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Guys, again, the launch is this Saturday, February the 5th. This Saturday, February the 5th, you'll see it on social media. going to be huge. The South Carolina Collection, guys, which is fire, has 13 pieces of apparel in the collection, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they're all vintage marks. Again, guys, I've got my stuff in from Homefield. It's incredible. The quality, the comfort, the designs. They all stand out. It's going to be one of your favorite pieces and certainly going to be in your rotation of merchandise you wear along with your TSUS merch, by the way. But hey, as I've said before, going to hit the wallet. We're here to help you with that. New customers can get 15% off their purchase for Homefield with the promo code SPURSUP at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Again, guys, that's promo code SPURSUP for 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. And again, we appreciate those fine folks at Homefield for partnering with the Spurs Up Show. All right, guys, let's talk about the Gamecocks. Third baseman, as we count down the days to first pitch, just 15 days away until toe meets rubber and the boys are back on the diamond. When you look at the third base position, guys, going around the infield, this is the last position. We're closing out the infield today here on this Thursday. Uh, Key losses, and you lose everyone that played an inning at the third base position. Brennan Malone, Jeff Heinrich, Michael Robinson, and what a position this was last year. You know, guys, I was actually critical of Mark Kingston. I know many of you think, oh, Chris just loves Mark Kingston, won't say a bad word. I was critical of Mark Kingston, just how he handled this position because it truly was a revolving door. But I looked at it at both sides because on one hand, yes, I wish Mark Kingston would have stuck with someone. But on the other hand, nobody took grasp of this job. Nobody stepped up and said, I'm going to be the starter. You know, I thought Brennan Malone was going to be the guy. Felt like he had all the potential in the world to be a big-time All-American, All-SEC, what have you. Brennan Malone, Brennan Malone last year started 35 games for you, hit 216 with two home runs and 10 RBI. Jeff Heinrich played a little bit of third, hit 220, one homer and 10 RBIs. And then Michael Robinson, who started just six games, played in 21, hit 154 with a ribby. And that is it. So, it was a revolving door of who's going to step up, who's going to get hot, who's going to take that third base position, who's going to be the man at the hot corner, and simply put, no one stepped up. So, Mark Kingston and company, like company, like I said, I know they mishandled that third base position, but they knew they had to go out and get someone because, again, all three of those guys transferred, in case you missed it, including Brennan Malone, who led the charge going to Oregon. So, you're going to be very intrigued to see how he does. But the big addition, because when you talk key returners, you've got a freshman in Vitas Vinicius, you've got a freshman in Carson Horner, but the dude who's going to be the dude at the hot corner, Kevin Madden, the Virginia Tech transfer. Again, somebody I'm really excited about, a big-time ball player. Again, played his baseball in the ACC, someone who is familiar with playing big-time power five ball. And again, I, I think he's going to be your guy. No question. There's no secrets. This position is about Kevin Madden. When we move to most approved and best overall, though, my most approved is actually not Madden. It is Vitas Vinicius. And I'll tell you why, because I've watched this kid in scrimmages and inner squads. And this is someone that, while, while I don't think he's going to be an everyday guy, he's not going to be your day to day third baseman. Dude has shown some pop. You know, he's wearing number 28. And I'll tell you what, 
he fills out that jersey just like Wes Clark did. I mean, dude's got some serious pop. I think he can be a slugger for you. And again, as a true freshman, there's always a lot to prove when you're in SEC baseball. Can he provide some depth for you at the hot corner? That's my biggest question. Because again, as much as I like Madden, as much as I think Kevin Madden is going to be a huge boost for this lineup and this baseball team, you do need somebody behind him to you know, just give your guy a day off and provide some depth. So, again, Vitas Vinicius always questions when there's a freshman, but can he be a dude that steps up, shows off that power? Again, I, I could see him guys being a guy that even as a pinch hitter hits, hits three, four, five home runs for you. I mean, a really big-bodied kid. I mean, you look at him on the roster. I'll tell you right now, 6'4", as a true freshman out of Lockport, Illinois, uh, went to Baylor School in actually Tennessee. So I think he's from Illinois, but went to high school in Tennessee. Either way, though, big body kid, 6'4", 230. I'm really intrigued to see what he can do and how he can help this ball club. Guys, when you talk best overall, again, it's no secret. Take all the dramatics out of it. The third base position belongs to Kevin Madden. He will be your opening day third baseman, and I fully expect him to man the hot corner for every game this year. And you look at what he did, guys. At Virginia Tech, this isn't just like somebody where you're like, oh, well, you know, he kind of just played a little bit at Vatech and he was sort of a contributor, and we just we just hope he can be better here. Guys, this dude last year started 52 games. Excuse me, started 51, played in 52, right? Started 51 games last year. Hit 313 for the Hokies with four home runs and 37 RBI. So, again, the home run numbers don't jump out at you. But that 313 average does. And I know some of you may say, well, that was the ACC. This is the SEC. Guys, the ACC is not that much worse than the SEC in baseball. I mean, that, that's impressive when you think about how you struggled. And I talked about the guys, the averages of the dudes that left, a 313 average. You know, watching this kid in scrimmages, in inner squads, very professional in the field. I think he's a very, very solid glove, has a really good arm, I think a plus arm. And then the play, again, from what I've seen, again, I have not seen a ton of him, but what I've seen really professional at bats is going to go over the ball's pitch, not going to do too much. Again, I think again, I think that's why you see the home run numbers. They aren't as great as they could be, but what would you rather have? A guy hitting 313 with four homers or hitting 260 with 12 homers? I'll take the 313 average after what we went through last year. And I think those home run numbers, by the way, will go up. Playing in Founders Park, playing in a lot more warm weather, I think undoubtedly those – Power numbers will go up. But again, guys, Madden, a huge boost for this ball club. And it was a huge pickup when they picked him up. Again, uh, a 300 hitter at the Power 5 level, a no-brainer addition. Again, I fully expect him to be your everyday third baseman moving throughout the 2022 season. When you move in a season, will be successful if. And again, it all has to do with Kevin Madden. And I'm setting very realistic expectations for this kid. But I think a 280 or greater average and double-digit home runs. That's a little bit of pressure on him now after hitting four. But I do think, guys, like I said, being in Founders Park, which is a crackerjack box, should benefit him a lot. It gets a lot warmer down in Columbia than it does up in Blacksburg. I think that's going to benefit. But if he can give you that, man, if he can hit 280, I mean, I would be giddy. I mean, guys, after last year, I don't know if my expectations are just that low when it comes to hitters. But if you can go from having three dudes barely hitting their body weight to having a hitter hitting 280 at the hot corner, I will gladly take that again. I think the glove's going to take care of itself. I think he's going to be a leader in the clubhouse for you as well. Again, I talked about glue guys. I think this is going to be one of your glue guys, one of your leaders. And again, really excited to see Madden play. That leads me into my overall grade, guys. And again, the only question about Kevin Madden going into this season is 
playing SEC baseball? Is he ready to make the jump from ACC to SEC? But I think that's something that gets blown out of proportion a little bit. I mean, again, the ACC still got really good arms. The ACC still got really, really good players. I mean, the SEC is better. Don't get me wrong. SEC is the best baseball conference in the country, but the ACC is not that far behind. So I think that'll be the one question, but guys, I'm extremely confident in Madden. Guys, I I talked about before, talking about Brant Belk at first, Braswell at short. The upgrades that you have made across the infield, you just can't ignore how massive of an upgrade they've been. I give the overall grade a B plus. Again, like I said, the only question being about transitioning just to a new team and a new conference and all that, but I am extremely confident. You're going to see Madden anywhere between the three and the five hole in this lineup. I think he's going to be a dude for you. Going to be a huge boost and a huge addition. And guys, I cannot speak to it enough. Listen, I liked Brennan Malone a lot. I liked covering Jeff Heinrich, Michael Robinson when he played. But you cannot say it enough how much of an exponential upgrade this is at the hot corner. I mean, it's just not even close. It's not even close in the field, at the plate. It's just not even close. Close again. Kudos to Mark Kingston, that staff, for upgrading at this position, seeing a need, going out and getting a veteran guy. I think he's going to be a huge, huge piece for you this year. Again, guys, we're talking about a guy like I mentioned earlier. In case you missed it, three thirteen hitter at Virginia Tech. He started every game for them. So B plus overall grade. I think this dude could be an All Conference type of player. I think a really, really good stick for you in the lineup. Really good glove as well. And again, I'm excited for what Kevin Madden brings to this baseball team. Again, guys, I know there's uncertainties. I know there's unknowns on Mark Kingston's squad. But let me just say this: Do not buy. Do not buy into the people that tell you how bad this team's going to be and this and that. It's because they're scared of the unknown. There's a lot of unknowns with this team. But I'm telling you again, like I talked about first base. Third base, it applies also, guys. I mean, it's not it's night and day the way you've upgraded these positions, the way you've enhanced these positions at the plate, in the field, leadership-wise, everything. So, overall grade B+. I think he's got a chance to finish with a higher grade than that. And again, guys, very excited to watch Kevin Madden, the positive impact he has for Gamecocks baseball. So, again, guys, I want to hear from you. Your thoughts on the third base position. Your thoughts on Kevin Madden, what overall grade you would give, uh, your most approved, best overall, what have you, any feedback you might have. Also, your feedback on Gamecocks football. Your thoughts on Connor Shaw, Eric Kimry. Leave it all in the comments below. Again, I appreciate you guys, your feedback, and would love to hear from you. Guys, that's going to do all for me here on this Thursday. But before you go, hey, don't go anywhere. We're not done yet. Fantastic conversation a great interview with former South Carolina first baseman Matt Williams, who joined me about two years ago to break down his career at South Carolina. Again, guys, we'll be getting back to the uh, the new, unique interview starting next week. Just been a crazy week here on the home front. But again, plenty of awesome content coming your way. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks first baseman Matt Williams. <laughs> I'm glad to get down to business and let's talk some baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to start back for the beginning for you, Matt, because you're an in-state guy from Honea Path, South Carolina. Um, just kind of yeah. talk about your recruitment. Obviously, you were a highly touted guy, and I think it's interesting when you were getting recruited when you were in high school was really, you know, when you could say Gamecock baseball was at an all-time high, was at its peak, if you will, you know, had won back-to-back College World Series. It went back to Omaha in 12, and I know 2013 was your senior year of high school, and 
They had a really good team that year as well. Just just talk about your recruitment. When did South Carolina come into play for you, and what other schools uh, were you considering? And you know how how easy was the decision, I guess, to stay in state and go to Carolina? Man, you're making me open up the <laughs> the, the open the, the yearbook. yearbook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so Tanner was still a coach when I was coming when I was coming through. They had just won ten eleven, obviously. Um, I looked at some other schools like Furman, but I also I was an athlete that played baseball. So I played three other sports or yeah. two other sports in, in high school. So it wasn't like baseball, it was just baseball season. Football was football season, you know, basketball is basketball season. So that was kinda how it was for me in high school. Um and I didn't really get serious with baseball till like my junior or senior year. Mm-hmm. And uh I actually walked they, they offered me a walk on spot. They didn't have any spots, South Carolina didn't. So um I took that and I was looking at like Furman. I, I looked at other couple places like Newberry, um football. There was a couple D two schools that mm-hmm. wanted me to play football as well. Furman also wanted me to play uh f- football, but I just I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. My dad went to South Carolina, so I think that was kind of a big factor in me. And I was um, – I bleed garnet black. So, mm. um, that was pretty easy. And, and and growing up, I saw the guys – I met, I made the all-star team my senior year of high school. I saw the guy uh, – Gene Cohn was on the team. Zach Madden was on the team. Those two guys ended up being my roommates. Um, Josh Reagan, Thomas Bessinger, like a bunch of just – Jordan Gore, Taylor Widener, like that whole group, core group. And I was like, I can play with these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I kind of let that motivate me um, being a walk-on. Mm-hmm. My freshman year, like, I saw how they were playing. And I hit pretty well my freshman year. I played well, played better than I thought I would. Um, Holbrook actually told me um, I played my way out of a red shirt my freshman year, but they just really didn't have any spots. So that was, we had Griner, Pancake, Schrock, Kmart, <laughs> you mm-hmm. name it, you yeah. know. So uh, we had – some some dudes and they brought in Elliot too that year on um, mm. Caldwell, so it was tough for me to find a spot and uh, that's kind of what motivated me going in as a freshman. I was like, man, I, I see these dudes and and those guys were good. I saw them all and and played with them and I thought I could continue to play with them. So that's kind of what motivated me to to do that and and continue to go to South Carolina and not transfer. And I can't say looking back on it now with the mm. the new the new rules they're making with transfer. I don't know what, like what I would have done, you know, mm-hmm. back then, if, if the new rules now where you can, they're starting to make where you can transfer anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what I would have done. Honestly. That's, that's really interesting. Cause I, you know, I didn't know that for sure. And I, I bet a lot of other Gamecock fans didn't know that too, that you were a walk on. I had no idea that that yep. was the case. Yep. I was a walk on. Yep. Huh. Interesting. So well, hey, I'm just curious, what position did you play football wise? What was your position? Baby. QB? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Nice. Oh, yeah. Very good. Play safety, too. Nice. Very good. And the athlete. Yeah, the, just the pure athlete there. Yeah, um, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was football season. I was running 40 times, doing the shuttle, like, all right. All in on football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm just curious. Again, you get to South Carolina. Um, like you said, family ties or whatever kind of led you there. And, you know, I would say it turned out to be a pretty good decision. But uh, – what was the transition like? You said you had a really good, you know, like you were talking about, you had a good uh, – you came in immediately, felt like you did pretty well. What was the transition like, I guess, 
from high school to, I mean, you're, you're jumping into the SEC level. Was it easier than you yeah. thought, harder than you expected? Like, what was the transition like for you? I mean, my eyes were definitely open, I would say that. <laughs> um, everyone was as good as me, if not better, mm-hmm. at that point. And I really – I realized that my freshman year. And I guess um, – you remember D.C. Arendis. Right. Mm-hmm. He kind of took me under, under his wing. Like, my freshman year, I was like, man, I remember sitting in the Doty one time with him eating breakfast. And I was like, man, I can't, I can't hit. I was like, <laughs> I've never not been able to hit a baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's never been an issue for me my freshman year, and I was struggling a little bit. And he talked with me a little bit about approach, and and I'd never mentally thought about that. Like, mm. I just saw ball hit ball, mm. you know. And um, then I started figuring something out a little bit, and uh, I kind of impressed myself with the way I played as a freshman with all those guys, other guys there. And that, I think Holbrook was too a little bit. That's kind of why he he wanted me around. And uh, he ended up. I ended up getting some abs mm. my sophomore year. Um, I think I got my first start maybe in the SEC tournament or something. My redshirt sophomore year. Mm. So um, he he started giving me more opportunities, and and I started having some success. So it kind of just went from there. I wanted to ask you, because like you said, um, you, during your recruitment, you know, Ray Tanner obviously steps down as head coach. Um, yeah. Chad Holbrook takes over. Uh, again, you were a walk-on. I, I mean, did that did that impact maybe? Like, did were you a little hesitant, I guess? Like, what, what were your what was your reaction, Holbrook, I guess, to I Tanner Holbrook's, stepping down? Holbrook's second year was as head coach was my first year, maybe, yeah. mm-hmm. freshman. Because yeah. he took so, over in 13, yeah. Yeah, so – it went from it wasn't really it was really the transition from Holbrook to Espo recruiting like Holbrook was recruiting us early and then it transitioned to Espo so I talked to Holbrook early and then Espo later in my like my junior senior year so like he started recruiting and uh I mean having Ray Tanner is not as the head coach didn't really I mean affect me at all I knew right that I was going to be in good hands there. Like, I was going to be able to improve my baseball abilities no matter, you know, who was there. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't – I mean, I, the only time I've talked with Tanner um, extensively is at my senior exit interview meeting. We talked for probably an hour and a half up in his yeah. office, which was pretty interesting. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that's the only time I, – I mean, Holbrook, that's the only transition was Holbrook the – I never really got to be under Tanner, so I never really got to see his ways. But they, I mean, Holbrook was pretty much, he did exactly what Tanner did, and I would have done the same, you know? <laughs> right, right. What, what was your relationship like with him, Matt? Because, it, you know, it's interesting, your career, you know, it's funny. I was thinking beforehand, before this interview, I was like, man, it felt like Matt Williams was at Carolina for a while. And you look at your career, I mean, you were there for a while, for sure. You saw a lot. I mean, you, you saw – the yeah. highest of highs, the lowest of lows. You saw a coaching change. And, you know, obviously at Carolina, everything you do is under a microscope, especially – staff wipeout. Yeah, complete staff wipeout, for sure, going in that 18-year. But everything you do at Carolina, especially on the baseball side, you know, is under a microscope, especially following yeah. up. It, you know, I know you guys would probably argue, too. It, when you think about it, it was a little unfair almost what you guys – the standard, which, I mean, you love it. You love the standard that is Carolina oh, yeah. baseball. But oh, yeah. following up, you never want to be the – you would you never want to follow up the legend. I mean, I think that's the problem that Chad Holbrook ran into. Yeah. But what what was your relationship like with him? And I, I guess you know, again, you you saw him go under some heavy, heavy criticism. I mean, you know, constantly 
Um, yeah. I guess what was that like and just overall your relationship with him and just your thoughts on Coach Holbrook? Uh, like you said, at Carolina, there's a lot of pressure. So, um, no matter I mean, there's people, there's people right now that want Kingston fired. I mean, that, that's how much pressure there is, which is <laughs> oh, a little absurd, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like you said, we, I think one year we went to a super the next year mm-hmm. we didn't make it. And then the next yeah. year we went to like a super the next year we didn't make it or something like that. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Vice versa maybe. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure in the SEC and especially at South Carolina in terms of these past like four to five years, you know, just because it's coming off the back end of the 10 and 11 and those guys. For me, I didn't really think about it as pressure. I I mean, that motivated me. Like I wanted to be great like those guys, you know what I mean? Like that's how I thought about it. Um, Because I grew up watching them. They were like my idols. Like I'm coaching with Landon Powell now and I grew up watching which is, I mean, that's almost a dream come true to me besides playing the show, you know? <laughs> right, right. Because, um, like, I've wanted to do coaching my whole life, and that's – my dad's been a coach um, his whole life, so it kind of runs in my blood. But as far as Coach Holbrook goes, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a touchy subject for me because, I mean, he left, and we all kind of felt responsible, you know? I mean, because mm-hmm. it's – Ultimately, how the team performs. It's, mm-hmm. The coach doesn't – doesn't. he's right. not playing, you know? Right. And uh, we didn't – I mean, we didn't dislike Holbrook. I mean, some of the things that we heard towards the end, we didn't really necessarily agree on, like, what was going on. Mm-hmm. But it, then again, it's a business, you know? Like, it's right. his livelihood. So, he's got to do what he's got to do. And I respect Coach Holbrook to this day. Um I mean, he was a great coach for us. He motivated us. Like, he was a good players coach. He was easy to be around, easy to talk to. I mean, um, I don't have really anything bad to say about Coach Holbrook. I mean, towards the end, but the whole Bush situation is me and him kind of bumped heads about that. Um, when Bush stepped down after, uh, after that whole debacle, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was – I will say a pop-up between me and Hunter Taylor, and it was his ball. So, I'm going to go ahead and just put that on Hunter. But uh, <laughs> You talk about the Bush debacle. Was that – because I've heard something about that, I feel like, before. Um, what, well, was they got in an argument, basically? Is that, yeah, is they that... got an argument in the yeah. dugout, and Bush showed his ass, which he knows is – I mean, we – he know, I love Bush. Bush is my dog, you know. Like, mm-hmm. he was in there hitting with us in the cage every single day. Like, he's the man. Mm-hmm. Um but he also was roommates with a guy that went to BHP and my dad coach, Matthew Lecroy, he played with the twins with him. Mm. So we kind of had ties there too. So um, they were roommates on the road. So Bush kind of took me under his wing too. And um, him and DC, I would say, kind of helped me out. But the Holbrook thing, I mean, it was a pop-up between me and Hunter Taylor. It dropped right where Holbrook normally would stand right there. Mm. And – Bush freaked out because Holbrook freaked out on us. He, Bush was standing up for us, and he kind of showed him up. And, I mean, you can't do that to your head coach, right. no matter who it is or the situation. And, and emotions were flying. But, like, it is what it is. And, and Bush ended up stepping down. And um, me and Holbrook kind of bumped heads because he knew I, I liked Bush a lot. Like, mm-hmm. he knew that was my dog. And uh, – but I, I – 
I don't think like Bush leaving affected like us or me really. I mean, obviously it, it created a little team turmoil, but like right. we talked about it. We had team meeting, like whatever, yada, yada, and we moved fast. So like, that's how, that's how it was. And that's kind of how I look at it. I don't, I don't, I really have anything bad to say about Holbrook. Like I respect him as a coach and I respected them when I was playing for him. I mean, I busted my balls for him. So that's how I, I kind of think about that situation. <laughs> for sure. So, Matt, I want to move on the field because, like you said, you're a guy growing up. You know, your dad went to Carolina. You bleed garnet and black. Uh, you, you got the opportunity, obviously, to play in the Carolina-Clemson series, which, I mean, it's mm-hmm. arguably, and I would say it's the best rivalry in all of college baseball, the most intense. I mean, yeah, I was at all three games in 2018 or uh, in 2019 and this past year. And, it, I mean, it truly has, like, a super regional feel. I mean, oh. it really, really does. The intensity, all three games are sold out. Um, but you actually did pretty well against those guys. Um, hit yeah. 417 against them in 2017. And, then, you know, everybody remembers. I mean, it's it's funny. You can do anything throughout your career. Because I was talking to Reed Morgan about this. Like, your claim to fame is if you beat Clemson or you do something good against Clemson, that is that is your thing at that point. Like, pretty much. Yeah. Um, because fans hate Clemson so much. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, 2018, you had the pinch hit homer in the eighth inning. Uh in the three to two win, which was huge, just a huge, huge moment for you. But just talk about being a player in that rivalry and, you know, what it was like for you. I mean, coming up in the state, being a Gamecock fan and then getting thrown into that and then having the big moments you had. I mean, that had to be super sweet for you. Yeah, yeah. Looking back on that, those are probably my most memorable games. I mean, with the crowd and the energy and everything just going on, um, it it was – it was a huge, just huge atmosphere, like you said, almost like a super regional type type deal. So mm-hmm. you don't have to get up for those games, you know. You don't have to. And it's Clemson, so that even adds to it. And we all know those boys, so they all grew up. The majority of them, we all know them. You know, we played against them in travel ball and growing up and all this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it, that, that even adds a little fuel to the fire. Um, and we all have family, and I mean, we're all trying to scramble to get tickets for everybody to to, to come, you know, that we know. So uh, that whole rivalry is just—it's an incredible rivalry. They gotta—they gotta continue to do that and find that third venue somewhere. And I like how they're—they're they're moving it around a little bit. I think that's good, uh, just so everyone in the state has a chance. You know, mm-hmm. they're not traveling everywhere, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. I just – I guess I was seeing beach balls against them. I I, <laughs> I, I remember my fresh – or uh, the first time we played them when Beer hit that walk-off um, at our place, mm. they brought in Hennessy to face me. Um, and Bush was our first base coach at the time. And I'm like, Bush, I'm about to sit on a slider here. <laughs> he said, do it. <laughs> He's like, do it. And uh, – he ended up uh, – I ended up getting 2-0, and o and he threw me a fastball, and I hit a double down left the line. And we – the TJ was on third. He had a triple the, that bat before. Mm. And uh, that put us ahead or tied it or something. So – and then I had a I had a buddy that went to BHP with me, Andrew Cox. He was their first baseman at the time. Mm. So that was even more like – we and we're, we're good buddies. He's actually at Furman now. Um kind of a touchy subject for Furman but right yeah. those boys my heart goes out to all those boys um I got I know a, a couple guys that play for them as well so it's a sad situation but yeah so Rudy played for for Clemson as well and and that even added fuel to the fire so 
that whole rivalry is just it's got to continue it's got to mm-hmm. they got to keep moving at places get everybody involved that's that's awesome the players love it and i know the fans love it so yeah, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say I don't. I don't think any Gamecock fans miss seeing Seth Beer in the box. He just for whatever reason he <laughs> yeah, felt like he owned us. He felt like he, he just gave, owned us. He gave me jet lag at first, a couple times. <laughs> not gonna lie. Will so, ask Will Crow about it. <laughs> me, so I got a story for you. Me, Will you Crow, go. and my buddy Taylor Allison from home. Just we went out to eat at Wild Wings in Anderson. We were staying in Anderson um, before we went up and played them in Greenville. And uh, we went out to Wild Wings, and Taylor's a, my buddy from Holmes, a Clemson fan, and he was giving him crap. Crow was pitching the next day. He was giving him crap about beer. He was like, he's like, yeah, we'll see if beer can hit 96. He ended up striking him out a couple of times, I think, but he put one over over the freaking wall and ride about <laughs> over the train tracks. So that's a good, that's a fun little story. My buddy from <laughs> home. Now Will's going to be in the dang big leagues <laughs> next year. For sure. So, uh, real quick, deep dive into that uh, that home run you hit against Clemson. I mean, again, you're just watching the replay here, you know, you got the pitch you wanted, turned on it. It was a bomb, bomb over the bullpen. What did you see? Did you did, did you know it was gone as soon as you hit it? And I guess just the uh, motion. And then you guys yeah. win that game on a walk off. Uh, yeah, I was night. on deck too. I was on deck. Actually, TJ hit the walk off, and I was on deck. I was gonna, I was just trying to do it again, but. <laughs> But nah, uh, the the first pitch he threw me was like a it was a fastball about um, low nineties, a little up, and I almost swung at it. I mean, I I went for it, but I I held up and I saw it good, and I I was just thinking fastball, and he threw one a little bit lower, about four or five. Well, four, a four would be middle, so five mm-hmm. like a little away, maybe a ball off the middle of the plate, and it was about belt high, and I just let it loose. <laughs> I didn't even feel it off the bat, and I honestly couldn't breathe going around second. So, all the way back in the dugout until I like went back in the back bathroom back there and like closed the door for a second. I could then I was like shaking. I was like then I took a deep breath. I was like, all right, we're good. <laughs> for sure. So I, I want to get your feedback. Going, you know, for sure. No, absolutely. Um, I definitely want to get your feedback, Matt. On Again, you saw a coaching change, and that was actually in the first year of Mark Kingston. What what was the transition like? You know, I, I know it was tough, like you said, especially for you being close with Holbrook and everything. And I mean, you played for him for what three, four years. Yeah. Um, the transition to Kingston, though, uh, you, you know, your relationship with him. I mean, everybody I've talked to about Kingston, whether they're playing currently or they just met him, everybody has glowing reviews. Says he's the the ultimate professional. I think you definitely hear that when he speaks, and I think he's a He's a great baseball man, if you will. But your your overall relationship with him, and what do you remember most, I guess, about the transition? What were the things he changed immediately? Because the one thing I remember from 2018, besides the uh, the turnaround in the middle of the season, which we'll get to in a second, but just the offense was so much better. I mean, the hitting, guys that guys that really didn't contribute all – or, or had that potential. I mean, I think the guy that comes off, you know, top of my head is Madison Stokes. I mean, he just, like, yeah. changed his career. He changed the yeah. path of his career, for sure. Stokes um, always had it. He didn't put it together until King got there. Mm. But he, when he put it together, it was sweet. Tolbert played out of his mind. Yeah, Tolbert was really good. Rowe had a busted knee, busted arm playing. My back was messed up. Hunter mm. Taylor had a fracture in his back. I think I mean, Cullen he, was kind of hurt, too, right? Like, he was battling. He was constantly hurt. He at South Carolina. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, 
it was definitely a battle. Stepping on my dog. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you're good. And then I was going to say, just the way that 18 season started, I mean, again, you get off to a slow start. You you know, we all know the story at this point. You lose that game to PC. Kingston rips you guys pretty much. And all of a sudden, it just – the, so the, the switch is flipped. first came in, uh, I don't know if you know the story about this, but Tanner, um, he called about eight, eight guys in that have been there for a while, me including um, Tolbert. Uh, I think Cullen was there, TJ, maybe Sawyer, uh, and maybe Stokes. There was a couple, maybe one or two other guys. But we met him in the new lounge, and Tanner brought King in for the first time. He was bringing him around campus that summer before he was hired. We we basically interviewed him for like an hour and a half. Really? Until Tanner came back in there and was like, you guys done? He, <laughs> he's like, you're going to talk all day? i got to show him the rest of campus. What what were you? What was your first? Uh, I guess in that was, moment, your yeah, first so like takeaway. I, I, we were just trying to pick his brain. We wanted right. to make sure we had the right guy for like that we want to play for. Right. And he showed us respect. He answered the questions like we were we were asking him with. The, I mean, ultimate just intelligence of baseball knowledge and everything. Like he was so respectful and like it was like you weren't gonna cross him but he wasn't going to cross you, you know, it was like a mutual thing. You gave him respect. He, he, you were going to get it in return. And you, you kind of had to show that to him. But I mean, the guy always had his door open. Like we could go in there and talk to him whenever you wanted. He helped me get this job at North Greenville. So like my ultimate respect is with King. Um, I mean, he's the man. I think, I think he'll be able to turn, I mean, get to where they need to go. Mm -hmm. I think he's the right guy. Um, he knows what it takes. I mean, he's been there. He's he's been all around coaching. Like his resume's solid, you know, um, as you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, the dude, he you have to respect. He's one of those guys like when he walks in the room, everyone shuts up. Mm -hmm. And like the eyes are on him and his eyes are on you, you know? So it's like one of those type of deals. But he was also like a big brother to us. Like we go out there and laugh and practice. But when it was time to work, it was time to work. You know, right? Yeah, he, he definitely just you know going to just seeing him. I mean, he definitely is a guy that seems like he commands attention. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. a yeah. He's he's there's just certain people that they have that that aura about them. I guess he yeah. definitely seems yeah. like he's one of those yeah. guys. What would you say – is there – you know, because, again, the story has been well-documented and have had some of your former teammates talk about the, the whole losing to PC. But is there one thing you would point to that necessarily changed – I know you guys had, like, all the fun stuff taken away, basically, the lounge and all that crap. But, I mean, yeah. was there one thing, like, on the field that you would say changed or was it simply you think it just finally clicked showing up to work and, you know, I mean, baseball's I a funny game. Were, that. Not, not to not PC. I think we were embarrassed. And mm – -hmm that kind of looked like instead of tucking our tails and hiding, we were like, well, that, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> right. You know? And we just kind of, as a group, as a unit, like, cause we had a bunch of core guys that had played together for th two, three years, even longer. And uh, we were like, this is ridiculous. Like, look at, look at what, like we were saying that to ourselves. Like we kind of had a look in the mirror moment. Like, what do we need to do? And everything from them that point on was like, just, spot on everything was like every requirement we were trying to meet was just we were doing it and like because certain drills we would do 
for example, like we would do like a 27 out drill or something. And every error we made, we had a sprint or something. And we were determined not to make one. If we did one, we would run two sprints or, or right. whatever, you know, like we would double the punishment. Just to lock in just that, little, that, that much mm -hmm. more. Right. So, and I think that just, that from, the, from practice, we did that. And then that just went into the game and we kind of just gotten, got hot, you know, at the right time. For sure. I, you know, I'm curious, Matt, this is kind of off the top of my head. I, I always ask the guys that played on the 10 and 11 teams and all that too, you know, who would win if they, you know, hypothetically could play each other. You were on 16 and 18, both two really, really good teams. I mean, I've talked to, again, your former teammates. A lot of guys yeah. say 16 is the most fun year of baseball they've ever had in their life. Yeah. I mean, that was a great team. That was um, but, the, that was the, um, the year we got beat by Oklahoma State. Yeah, super, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, both, both those, those teams are super regional teams, though. Very, very good. Omaha quality, I would say. I mean, if you get the Supers, yeah. you're, you're – If you you're take pretty, away the injured, the injured pitchers that year, then we'll yeah, probably – For sure. Yeah, exactly. and then Clark <clears throat> Yeah, exactly. Um, sixteen versus eighteen, though. Which team are you are you rolling with? Which team do you think wins Ooh. that game? Ooh, are we are we talking healthy? healthy well, yeah, just healthy peak teams. Clark? Yeah. Ooh, Is <laughs> what eighteen? You had Adam Hill and more. Cody Morris. Yeah, I yet. played more on the eighteen. Yeah, but I, I mean, I could hit those dudes. They're like, <laughs> um. Hmm, that's tough. But you add Clark to that rotation. Yeah, you do. And he's he's going to be a big leaguer. So, and like you said, Crow is at it's some point probably going to be a big <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know, man. That I think, to be honest, I think a 16 team has a few more sticks in the lineup. Yeah. Just a few. I'll tell you, man, I, I really think that's what did Holbrook in, too, was not just – like that, that seventeen team getting so much hype in the like that team was fourth in the country. Y'all were fourth in the country in the preseason. Like yeah. I think that's what made it so, you know. And, and people were arguing that was the best South Carolina rotation ever with mm -hmm. Schmidt on Friday, Crow on Saturday, well, and Adam Hill on Sunday. I mean, it really when you when you look at it on paper, yeah, one of no, the best ever for sure. Yeah. One of the best ever. I mean, 100%. yeah. So. I don't know, just just kind of random, but I man, it's I remember that that I think that's injuries a, and injuries did hurt us. I yeah, mean, it, killed, it killed that team. That injuries Madison killed that seventeen team for a while too. That yeah. whole year, that that that's when Tolbert moved to um short. Yeah, Stokes couldn't play his hamstring. Yeah, that, that seven started in right and at Arkansas because Stokes played first. <laughs> <laughs> we had a tornado that weekend. We played a doubleheader on Sunday. Yeah, that, that 17 and 19 teams, I feel like, were very similar. Where just the, it was injuries that just completely derailed the entire season. Um, I want to I yeah. want to get back to 18 really quickly, though. And I'll, obviously, I'll get your take on kind of what's happened since. But just talk about again, you know, turning the season around. You make the supers. You're a game away from Omaha, which you know we all know Omaha is the ultimate goal. And I mean, listen, I, I'm as I'm someone that's just proud of South Carolina's tradition, and I, I love. I love counter baseball because of the expectations. Like it's fun to pull for a program that you really feel like, you know, any year we can honestly make a run and go to Omaha because the expectations yeah. are just so high, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, not to knock basketball and football, but and talent, and talent wise, we should be able to. Yeah. Top 10 recruiting to classes every year. I mean, you have the I mean, yeah, yeah, you facilities and, yeah, you know, fan support, everything else, but a really, really good year, even though you didn't get to Omaha, a really good year, especially when you factor in Kingston's first year and the, 
the uncertainty at the you know pretty much the halfway point, turning it around the way you guys did. Just just talk about that run and again. You're a senior. Um, I know it didn't end the way you wanted, but you know you sweep through the East Carolina regional and then you go to Fayetteville and play a team that you know I would say arguably should have won the College World Series. Um, yeah, just just kind of describe, yeah. I guess, if you can that that run through the postseason. Yeah, that was. I mean, for one thing, it was fun. Yeah, like it was hot. It was baseball weather. We were. It was fun. We were all, I mean, it was a grind the whole year. That's what we had been playing for. We were all exhausted, but that's what made it fun, you know. We had grinded the whole year to get there. And uh, we had some huge performances from from different guys. Like, it felt like it was a different guy every, like, game just about that was uh, delivering big hits. Like, Danny Blair, he hit one. Yeah. You know, so that, that East Carolina Regional. And those are some good teams. That Wilmington team was good. And East Carolina, I think, was, like, one of the best hitting teams in the country. Yeah, yeah. Carolina was, like, hitting 330. That was, yeah. was incredible. So, we did, We went in going, like, these dudes are good. We didn't really take them for granted, even though, like, East Carolina, which their baseball history is pretty good as well. But mm. we went in, like, kind of with a chip on our shoulder. Like, we weren't – we were a two-seed or whatever we were. We were two-seed, mm. I think, right? Yeah. Yep, two-seed, yep. Yeah, so – we went in like we not the best team in this regional. Like we got to prove it, mm. and we ended up doing it. And then Arkansas, we knew what they had going into that. We already played them what four or five times that year, mm. I think. Yeah. So we knew what we were going to see. We knew it was going to be a battle. We had already played at Arkansas once, so we felt like not that we had an upper hand, but if anyone in the country could do it, we could do it. Mm. Is what what we kind of was our mindset, you know, going into right. Arkansas because of our our prior knowledge that year on playing them and mm. you know, what they had and all that kind of stuff. And if, if I I was going to say, if I remember correctly, that series like went down to games. Like that was a, I remember, I don't think, yeah. I, I think we, I think you guys lost two of three. I don't think you got swept, but it was like two to one and three to one. Like, they were very close games at Arkansas yeah, too. At Arkansas, like, yeah. yeah. Beat them that Friday night. Um, cause yeah, Logan that's right. That's right. Hit, the fucking game of his life. He's my French. But he shoved that game at Arkansas against one of the best hitting teams in the country right. as a friend. And uh, we won that game, had a tornado on Saturday, came back Sunday, played two seven and a double, a double header, um, and ended up – they were both close, real close. But the, mm. the weather was terrible. It was like 40 degrees. Wind was blowing like 30 miles an hour. It was terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> so – it was it was a rough weekend to play, and we were going back in good weather. Like we we had known what they were, what they had. Uh, we were familiar with the park, like every, all that kind of stuff. We knew that the the venue was going to be incredible. I mean, they had thousands of fans sitting outside of their place, like when we were taking BP. I'm talking thousands. So like, and they were lined up like all around, like not just like in the stadium already. I'm talking like all the way around the stadium, like lined up to get in. Right. So. These these people are they love it you know, and and that's that was that's we are we knew that going in we just came up a little short that team was that team we played hats off to them they were they were incredible, for sure. So your career obviously wraps up, um, and you get the job at North Greenville. I guess technically what you're a graduate assistant is what they label you, but you're an assistant coach. Yeah. Um, just kind of talk about it again. You said King helped you get that job, and you know I think it's. Awesome for you, for sure, is that, you know, you didn't just get some job. I mean, North Green – or, yeah, North Greenville is one of the premier Division II 
baseball teams. Um, I think, you know, you guys have done a good job. Landon's done a great job of, you know, getting those, those transfer guys that maybe for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't, you know, doesn't work out at D1. Yeah. They just want to play more. They just want a new opportunity. And, I mean, you guys have pulled in a ton of top talent. But, yeah, one of the best D2 schools in the country. Just kind of talk about how that all came about. Did you know immediately off the jump you wanted to get into coaching? Like, what was the, you know, what was that process well, like landing thought, there? Uh, yeah, it was either get into coaching, find a job. Yeah, hell <laughs> or, no. Hell no. Or, or, or try to go play any ball. <laughs> and, uh I probably could have – I mean, Co- Coach Couch and some other coaches were trying to help me out, like, with that. And I, I thought about it, and I just – I didn't know if it was worth it. I wanted to just try my – try it out and coaching for a little while and, and see what that would mm-hmm. – see how that would work out. And I talked to King for, I don't know, an hour or so in his office about what he thought I should do and got his input on it. And he's he – we were talking about North Greenville, and he said, you want me to call in? And I'll, I'll text him right now. And he sent him a text. He ended up texting right back, and Landon called me, like, that afternoon or something. And uh, from then, it was like a month later, uh, over the summer, I went up there and – because I had never been up there. I didn't really – I knew they were a good Division two school, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how good. Every field they got up there is turf, you know. Right. Football, soccer, everything. So – um, they just built a million dollar baseball facility, like a lounge and a seating area and stuff for baseball. So it's getting, it's getting really nice. You know, it was nice before they brought in the talent. Now they've built it and, and now they're, <laughs> they got it, you know? Right. And, right. and there's even more plans to do like another million dollar upgrade to the baseball area too. So that's even more incentive for the future. Um, but Landon and Coot, even Coot Langis too. We had Jonathan Coot Langis. He played at South Carolina as well. Played with the Reds. Pitched mm-hmm. for the Reds. Was a center fielder at South Carolina. Couldn't hit in the big or couldn't hit in the minors. So they moved him over, and he could sling it on the bump. He ended up striking out Barry Bonds. Wow, not a story for you. Yeah, that's that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he played with Griffey and them. So those two, Landon and Coot, are. Those guys are fun to be around, first off. Second off, their baseball knowledge is incredible through the roof just because they did it, you know. Landon caught a perfect game in the show. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, yeah, that's awesome. So, like, you know what I'm saying? They've, did, they've done it. They've, mm. they've done everything that you could do in baseball. Like, so, just that. They have that type of aura about them, too. Like, I grew up watching those dudes. So, and now it's, like I said earlier, it's kind of a dream to coach with them. Mm. Um. But yeah, they've they they turned the program around. I think Lennon's this is like his sixth year, maybe. Um, and it was <laughs> they had a losing record, and he the ne- they turned around the next year. He got there, they uh, won conference. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> and they've won 40 games since. Right. Past three years, two years we've been like 45 and 11. So, mm-hmm. and this year we were number one for a good portion of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the yeah, draft went down. Yeah, yeah, for for old Corona hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to ask you. I mean, again, this is sort of random, but again, you're with a couple former Gamecocks, Gamecock legends. I might add. You know, I, I like Kingston. I like the staff. I would also like from the fan side of things. I'd love to see some of these former players come back. I, I'd love to see some of these former guys get on get a job. You know, I know it's not easy because I mean you're already fighting the eleven point seven and 
Yeah. God, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's pulling teeth to try to get another paid assistant, which I think yeah. is insane it's, that they can't absurd. do that. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's a lot of former Gamecocks coaching. I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be cool to have some of those guys in some capacity. Again, you can't bring them all back. It's just impossible. You can't hire yeah. solely because of that. But I don't know. I, I'd like to somehow see that be incorporated. Maybe one yeah. day. Maybe one day we can see it down the road. Yeah. One day, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, I, I want to see them win just as much as the next guy. Right. You know, I bleed it. So, I want to see him win. And whoever gets up there and makes it happen, makes it happen. I mean, I think King can do it. Mm. I think Lannon could do it, you know. But, like, King's up there. I, I hope he, he can figure it out. And I think he's got – I mean, he's got the right staff. He's got sure. to do, do it. So For sure. I, I, all my trust is in King. He can do mm. it. So I do want to ask you again, like you said, you guys season ended when everybody else's did March 11th. He actually beat my alma mater Newberry. So thanks for that. Um, anyways, you guys season ended. We all know what happened with the pandemic. I guess, what have you been doing to kill the time? How much time have you been spending on baseball with family? Like what's, what's been yeah, the quarantine well, routine for Matt Williams? <laughs> I've been living, I'm living in Greenville right now. My parents are back home, but I'm living with two other guys uh, that coach with me and, mm-hmm. You know, I had to find stuff to do, you know, to, to make ends meet. And, and other, like you said, we've been playing video games. I've been doing whatever I can. But I've also been driving a little bit with a bite squad. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I think Just about to make a little buck, you know. Mm. So, um, that's about all I've been doing, really. Just hanging out at the house. I've, I've been going home on the weekend some. Uh, it's getting hot, so I've been going out to the lake a little bit. <laughs> um, but other than that, just trying to pass the time, stay to myself, keep six feet apart, I guess. That's what they say, right? <laughs> For sure. Something like that. Something like that. I'm, I'm going to Folly Beach this weekend, so I, I don't know. We'll have to work on that whole six feet thing or whatever. Yeah. Quarantine, whatever it is. Um, yeah, last thing, Matt, before I get you out of here. I mean, again, you've talked a lot about, you know, you're obviously very confident. I'm confident as well, but you're confident that the program's in good hands with Kingston headed in the right direction. It's such a shame because, I, again, I know you're busy and you don't get to watch a ton, but, again, you're a Gamecock, and those are your boys, I mean, that were out there, um, you know, last year and then this year. Um, so you keep up with it, but it's, it's such a shame, man. We didn't get to see this team, this Gamecock team play, you know, finish out this season. Cause I, I know a lot of people were, you know, some people were skeptical, I guess, or didn't really know. I mean, you lose a series in Northwestern. Of course, the fan base is, is going to freak out. I mean, you'll find oh, this you funny. Lose I mean, one game in Northwestern, they freak out. Yeah. I mean, you'll find this funny. I was, I was at the game and the out, like the outfield and the last out was recorded game three and fan behind me goes, well, season's over. And I'm just like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. It sounds about right. I was excited to see this team get into SEC play, you know, and obviously they canceled the season literally two days before the Tennessee series at Founders Park. And I was like, can we just have this? Just give me this weekend. Just give me this weekend. Um, Yeah, I I was excited, man. I thought this team was, was going to surprise some people. They definitely had some, some boppers, you know, I think they had the lineup that could do it. And defensively they were pretty good as well. Um, Just all those arms that, that haven't thrown, you know, Mm. like that's the only thing I would say that would be the issue, but letting them throw and through the season is, is what, you know, what gives them that experience to get them, get them towards the end of the year. So I guess we'll never know, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I was just, 
I was excited to see Carmen Majinski pitch through an old SEC season. I mean, it's crazy. It's not an indictment on him, obviously, because he could, you know, he was hurt in 19. Yeah, he couldn't no, help no. it this year, but he's probably going to be a first round draft pick and he never really threw an SEC game besides Arkansas. I mean, yeah. never got the opportunity. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I never really thought about that. Yeah. That's, that's almost like Clark. I mean, Clark pitched and would pitch well, but he, he was a first rounder and, they knew he's about to have Tommy John. Yeah. I mean, that's the <laughs> ultimate sign of respect, right? I mean, yeah. so, that I is mean, uh, I don't know, but it is what it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Last thing, I actually ended on this. You know, your guys have been affected by it at North Greenville, South Carolina's guys, because I know I'm keeping up. I'm thinking, you know, who's coming back? Who's who's going to leave, go to the draft? And, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I've heard rumors of certain guys. I mean, Carmen's gone. There's no question about that. But, you know. Thomas Farr has definitely got that option. He's a guy that bumps 95. Yeah. Brandon Jordan's going to have that option. I don't know about – you know, and then you have other guys that are just like these grad transfers, like I think of Beaver and Bowen. Is Khalil going to come back? Like, yeah. you know, can you even imagine – like, I guess you can because you're there. You talk to these guys, you, you know, your players and probably your former teammates, stuff like that. But I just can't even imagine being in that position. Like, your season getting cut short, and then there's only going to be five rounds in the MLB draft, and then you have the uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah, do I come absolutely. back to school? Do I not? Like, what's... We have deciding that now, too. For us, we got a, a guy from Oklahoma State transferred and played third base for us, didn't get to fin- finish out the rest of the season, was probably going to get picked up. But now the draft mm-hmm. is shortened. It's D2. Right. So, like, so <laughs> is he going to get picked up? Is he going to get another year to come back? Right, is he right. Come, does he even want to play anymore? Like, he's a senior, so, you know, like. And then Jordan Holiday's another one from South Carolina. Yeah, he I'm right. yeah Holiday, yep. Yeah, so Logan Chapman's another one. Oh, yeah, Chapman. He, forgot about him. Oh, yeah. He needed to pitch this year. Mm. And he was coming off of TJ and was bumping 94 mm. pretty easily, like his last couple starts. Right. So, I mean, he was probably going to get picked up. Like, we have some guys that, you know, it, it was really a detriment to their careers. Mm. Just this whole thing, this whole situation, and it's sad, you know. Do you do you guys expect? Because you know, I think the one interesting thing is that somebody made the point that you're going to see a huge talent and not that there already isn't talent, of course, but a huge talent influx at the college level because so many guys out of high school that were going to go or think about going are going to go to college, and so many college guys are going to come back because they need that year, or you know, they just yeah, they don't want to settle for the money they're going to get, pretty much. Yeah, and that's another thing that coaches have to balance with scholarships. Like, right. you know, yeah. like guys that are going to come back. Like, we want, we want our guy back that hit 15 homers last year, but, like, it, does he even want to come back, mm-hmm. you know? And we already offered, because he was a senior, we already offered this high school senior his money, you know, because we wanted him to come in. And now, like, it's just all, you know, Mm-hmm. it's all just bumping heads with, with one another. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out because I, I, I'll tell you, Matt, just off the jump, I've heard rumors from people that, you know, for South Carolina that – and I don't know how much I believe these, but they're just rumors. I've heard that none of the seniors are coming back, which I find very hard to believe. Like, why would George Khalil not come back and be the starting shortstop? And selfishly, I want him to come back and be the starting shortstop because I, I, I'm a big George Khalil guy. Yeah. But uh, – I've heard they're not – none of them are coming back. And, I mean, for me, it's definitely going. Like, if, if I was a senior or if it was my, my redshirt junior year or redshirt senior or whatever, I'm coming back 1,000%. Yeah. There's no question in my mind I'm coming back and playing. But, one, I mean, it might just be me, but, like like you said, like I loved it there. I enjoyed my years there. I wish I could have five more, you know. Right. 
Like, but that's that's where I'm coming from. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way I would I would not come back or or take whatever they're gonna take. Mm-hmm. You know, something late or go play indie ball if they got another uh, an option to take another year. I'll take another year, hundred percent. It feels up to me. Yeah, it, I think it's just interesting. I've I've seen the Gamecock baseball Twitter account doing like they're honoring the seniors and stuff. And I mean, I saw a tweet from Graham Lawson. I thought it, was, it it sounded like he's not coming back at least. Now he's he's a guy that I think will might get picked up in the draft. I mean, as hard as he throws and yeah, everything. But he was you know, it's, before, it, before he got hurt. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he's he's filthy for sure. Um, it, it'll be cert- it'll certainly be interesting, you know, just to see who comes back and who makes that decision. And I mean, like you said, I. I feel for coaches. <laughs> this, this, the scholarship situation is already tough in college baseball, and then you add this on top of it, and it's, it's just a mess. It's a mess for everybody. Big, big mess. You're correct by that. <laughs> for big. sure. Well, I was going to say, Matt, appreciate you taking the time, man. Definitely. Let's do it again sometime for sure. I, you know, it, it was a pleasure to watch you do what you did at Carolina and all the great moments and memories and everything. And obviously, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, and wishing you best of luck at North Greenville. I know you guys – as soon as we get back to baseball, you guys are going to get back to winning ways because Landon has built a great program up there. And, you know, definitely uh, hope to hear of more success coming from you guys. Way, But really appreciate it, man. Love to do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Enjoyed Absolutely. it.